Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. You're listening to the Sharks Audio Network. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Hey there, everybody. Sharks president Jonathan Becker did a sit-down with the media recently, and I wanted to get everyone up to speed on everything he shared with the media, whether it was crowd numbers, building updates, the Barracuda's new building, staffing levels at SAP Center, on and on and on. I wanted to start with the big one. It's been a big focus all year long. Why are the crowds at SAP Center not what they used to be? And that's been a big focus. Is it the team? Is it COVID? Is it the mandates, vaccines? Whatever it's been, we all know that the numbers just aren't what they used to be. And Jonathan shared his thoughts on the matter. Well, of course, you know, I'd like bigger crowds. Uh, Let's not even try to mince around that. Um, And the reality is the pandemic is dramatically impacting people's comforts coming back to events. If I look at the NHL reports, all three California teams are seeing a year-over-year decrease somewhere between 20 and 25%. Uh, There are actually quite a few teams outside of California that are seeing 10% decrease, and there's one team that's seeing a 40% decrease. Um, You know, we've done fan surveys, uh, both for Sharks and actually for concerts as well. I think some of you have done your own surveys as well. I've seen those uh, on the web. The dominant reason is COVID. Uh, Some people are not comfortable coming back to mega events, five, 10, thousand or more people. Frankly, some people are comfortable, but they don't want to deal with vax, boosters, masks, etc. cetera. Uh, here in the Silicon Valley, remote work is a huge deal. Um, and there are a lot of companies that won't let their uh, employees come to big events. They can't host customers, et cetera, which is a big part of our fan base historically. We know we've read it in the papers. Uh, people have moved away, at least temporarily for the Bay Area. We'll see. But by far the longest the biggest issue affecting attendance is the mandates. Uh, NHL, state, county, city, feels like we have more mandates than any other venue in the United States. Yeah, of course, team performance is going to be a little bit of a factor as well, but it's always way down the survey based on COVID. We're disappointed, but it's the reality of the COVID world where we seem to be in. Okay, so let's look at a post-COVID world. What evidence do we have that crowds are going to come back? That, that's the best evidence we have. And I'll give you some informal feedback on that, which is if you look pre the Omicron surge or our first few home games, those games were all above 14 and 15,000 sort of normal attendance. And I can break down the details of that. Since Omicron, that's when we've seen the biggest dip. Uh, I don't, and it's hard for me to say we're in a post Omicron world, although it's starting to feel that way. And Saturday's game, when I looked earlier this morning, was nearing 15,000 people in attendance. Uh, My sense is we will break 15,000 for the first time since the first couple of games of the year. So that's evidence that people will come back as restrictions ease and as they feel safer. But Shang, there's no guarantee in life, but it, it does seem that way. And then, of course, there is the concern that with lower attendance, the team is not going to be spending as much money because we all know that attendance drives revenue opportunities for the Sharks so very much. 
Uh, I think the short answer to that is no, but let me elaborate that a little bit, which is Hasso, as the owner, has had a long history of spending to the cap, uh, wants a winning team, and the best way to get a winning team is to continue to spend to the cap. So that's been our history. I don't see any environment under which that would change. So no, and especially since we already started to see attendance starting to build for the last month or so of the regular season, and uh, there are already some good signs for next year pending another wave, but I'll assume there's not going to be a fourth wave, but maybe there will. Um, so it, highly unlikely from my point of view. And beyond us moving to a quote unquote post COVID world, what else can the Sharks do to get fans back in the building beyond being a better team on the ice? Yeah. So there are tons of things we can and have done. Uh, one of the most uh, popular promotions we've done in the past, which we've done again this year is we pay the fees. Um, especially in these days where the box office isn't open for a long time. So you can't come buy tickets as well. We have a series of flash sales in the middle of one going on right now where uh, we're picking up the fees and paying them so that the consumer doesn't have to do with that as well. We've actually already noticed a larger number of tickets sold in the last couple of days when we'll assume part of that as well. Looking forward to next season, we announced a number of changes for next season's uh, membership. Because uh, season ticket membership is always a large fraction of the number of people that are in the arena. And frankly, it's the largest fractions of no show as well, where we've already been prepaid, but people doesn't show up. So in a weird way, still not good for the product. The biggest change for next year, we've reduced the price of every seat in the building for membership. On average, it varies by section and it varies by location. But on average, every seat is down 5%. So we had a bunch of other offers up our sleeve as well. but Essentially, picking up the fees and reducing prices should, if price is a barrier for some people, help with attendance as well. And Becker shared more ideas of what the Sharks are planning on doing to get people back into the building and at games. So a couple of new things that are coming as well is if you're uh, subscribed to a subscription service like a Netflix or something, we're offering a Netflix membership next year also where you can turn it on and off by the month. So maybe you want to come heavy in December, but not all in October. You can subscribe by the month. Uh, we tested it out last season. That was quite popular. So we're going to bring it back next year for every month as well. Uh, we're actually coming out with a quick in-bowl upgrade thing as well. So if you buy in the upper bowl, you could take a chance that a lower bowl seat might be available last minute and get it at a quote-unquote bargain price as well. Uh, we're using something called Teal Tokens as an incentive basically a reward program where anything you buy in the building, merchandise, food and beverage, tickets, et cetera, you get 3% cash back and you can earn teal tokens in lots of different ways. Ultimately, those teal tokens will be available for online merchandising and probably over in Shark's Ice as well. There's plenty of uh, these kind of uh, new ideas that are coming as to encourage attendance. And what does Shark's owner, Hasso Plotner, think about the reduced attendance? Well, everybody has a reaction. He'd like more fans in the building as well, but he definitely understands this is primarily COVID-related. Hasa is really good at trying to differentiate between one-time effects and systemic ones. When it's one-time and they're mostly out of our control, then he's quite understanding. If it's self-inflicted, then he's less understanding. And if they're ones that need systematic improvements, that's where he likes to put our energy. Jonathan was also asked if Hasso is still supporting the current vision in terms of the Sharks and where they are, the reset, and the trajectory. It's hard for me to, to speak on behalf of Hasso, um, other than he is really supportive of the team and will continue to spend to the cap to, to get us back in the playoffs if we don't make it. 
this year. Yes, he likes the direction we're headed on. Yes, he watches all the young players, including those that are back in Europe. And factor, that factors in his decision. Would he like to see us see win more games now? Of course he would. Does he feel like we're headed in the direction? Yes. Would he like us to move in that direction more quickly? Certainly so. And then how patient is Hasso going to be with this current timeline? You know, again, hard for me to answer that for him, but at least in my experience with him, and you may know I worked with him before I joined the Sharks as well, he's a pretty patient guy. Now, we do know that there are some fans out there who want a full-blown rebuild, akin to what we've seen with Detroit, akin to what we've seen with various other franchises around the NHL. Uh, this is what Jonathan offered in response to that. Yeah, we do hear the minority. As you said, uh, hard to gauge exactly how big they are, meaning how many of them there are, but they are quite vocal. Uh, they do manage to get a hold of my email and send me periodic email addresses, uh, emails as well about rebuild. Um, I think that the reality is, is that our market, in particular in Northern California, there's a fight for share of entertainment dollar, not just sports, but all of entertainment whatsoever. And if your product is not engaging, people don't interact with it frequently. And I think we've seen that from time to time. Uh, you can ask any of the professional sports teams in Northern California and beyond as well. Does attendance correlate with how good your team is? And almost invariably, every one of them will tell you yes. Having said that, it's also just sports is about winning. Uh, I know other teams in other markets have intentionally non-won. Uh, that's not Hasso's style. It's not my style either. We want to win every single year we can. Okay, so what about the reaction from fans that are saying we're not in a rebuild right now and the team doesn't still appear to be in a position where they are winning? I guess maybe another way to say that thing, if you think that the only reason to come to a game is purely to see uh, a win and not for the entertainment factor as well, then that would be the, the answer. Uh, personally, I believe that modern sports is yes, win as often as you can, but it's also the experience also. And I think that of everything Jonathan said in this sit down with the media, that's probably going to be the one that fans have the most reaction to one end or the other. I tend to agree. And I've said it multiple times on literally every show I've done with the sharks and pretty much all my time with Bay area media is that there is so much competition for money in this market in terms of your entertainment dollar. You've got to do everything you can to put an entertaining product out there, even beyond wins and losses. Winning just helps you that much more. Now, the other side of this is what does the business side of the Sharks franchise, how did they react when the topic of a rebuild comes up? So, uh, yeah, let's call it our plan rather than one person's plan, because, you know, even though Doug is out for medical, it's always been our collective management plan, including Hasa. It's not just Doug's by himself. Um Secondarily, I think I've said in other forums, and I'll reinforce it, uh, we are highly unlikely, and I never say never, highly unlikely to go through a proactive rebuild. It seems difficult to ask people to sign up for three or in five years worth of fulls or partial season tickets and tell them we're intentionally not going to be good for those three or five years. Having said that, we are going to get younger. We are going to get faster. We are going to make some changes, and that's the part we're going to market to fans and focus on. Another interesting topic that Becker touched upon was how have finances overall been impacted? Uh, we've always been uh, a break-even sort of team or a small loss. Um, and even with that loss, we always spent to the cap. Uh, the pandemic dramatically hit our finances, not just for people in the building, but other sources of revenue as well, merchandise sales, F&B is a big part of that, parking, et cetera. Um, I think at some point during the pandemic, I said cumulative losses have exceeded $100 million. So the number is clearly north of that now. 
Uh, I do believe it started to settle down and turn around, but losses are still disproportionately large compared to pre the pandemic. Uh, will we get back to pre pandemic losses or break even-ish next year? Depends. We'll get close. Probably we'll get it run rate by the end of the year. I don't know if we'll be there at the beginning of the year. Now, a backdrop to these discussions about business being impacted, about crowds not being what they were, is you juxtapose what has happened at SAP Center versus the crowds we've seen at Chase Center in San Francisco. Uh, this is what Becker offered on that topic. So a couple things. One is even before the recent lifting of restrictions, we had more severe restrictions than they did. Uh, it's complicated and we try to make it simpler, but we had Santa Clara County mandates and city of San Jose mandates, and those are different. And because of the way this works, we have to take the most restricted from each of those. So for example, we didn't have a testing option until recently. They've had a testing option all along, which gets another group of people in. So, and I do talk to the Warriors on a regular basis, can't say quite monthly, but close to that as well. And uh, the drive to get actually people in becomes much more difficult when you have to vax, boost, test, mask, et cetera. So I do think it's primarily that. And, and the fan surveys do say that. There were also some questions about the future of SAP Center and whether or not the building would become obsolete. Uh, Ross, I would say it the other way around, which is uh, we are prepared and Hasso as the owner is prepared to invest significantly more than we have already. Uh, you know, 10x those kind of numbers, uh, a Madison Square Garden style renovation, if you want a visual metaphor, uh, in the coming years, once we've got uh, visibility from the city about what life looks like past 2040. Uh, I've been very transparent, uh, I've been interviewed a number of times over the last year. We would love to stay here past 2040. Right now, we don't have that option. As you say, starting in 2026, uh, we can give three years notice. It's actually not one year. It's slightly more complicated than that. We have to give three years notice and then we can get out. We'd rather not do that, of course, but with the five large transformational projects happening outside our door and there being, there's no plan, despite us talking about it for several years on construction mitigation for those five plans, those five construction projects, which might literally make the arena inaccessible for a decade or more. I'm not talking about parking. I'm talking about literally no way to get to the arena. Then we can't spend the money. We shouldn't spend the money until we have a little more surety from the city that's justifiable. But yes, Ross, if we get that, uh, I'm certain the investment we make will will dramatically expand the lifestyle of this, the lifetime of this building. And um, you mentioned uh, Mr. Platner there. Is what's his reaction maybe to the attendance this year? Does he have one? Well, everybody has a reaction. He'd like more fans in the building as well, but he definitely understands this is primarily COVID-related. Hasso is really good at trying to differentiate between one-time effects and systemic ones. When it's one-time and they're mostly out of our control, then he's quite understanding. If it's self-inflicted, then he's less understanding. And if they're ones that need systematic improvements, that's where he likes to put our energy. So I have that conversation with him quite frequently. And Becker outlined some of the improvements that will be coming to the building. We have a very different philosophy here than pretty much every other building that I'm aware of, which is we do significant upgrades every year, including the year after the building opened. On average, we spend somewhere between five and 10 million in arena upgrades every summer when there's still events in the building, but not hockey. It's not quite as busy as it is during the regular year. 
Um, over the last couple of years in the pandemic, we did that as well. Many people noticed we rebuilt the ice plant. Uh, we broke into the foundation of the building, which was 33 years old, and replaced all the water pipes and the ice floor as well. Uh, we've switched out the escalators. Uh, we made the external concrete, uh, which is the stairs, earthquake, because earthquakes codes had changed in the last 30 years as well. So I don't think we've ever announced the exact number. We've spent significantly more improving the building than it cost the building to be built uh, 30 years ago. And we're going to continue that process. Um, if you've been in the building lately, and I don't, I actually, Ross, just don't know if you have, we've changed some of the stands so that it's more self-service. One of the most popular things on the concourse right now is called the market, where instead of having to wait in line to buy something, you can self-service, scan it yourself and walk out. Even simpler if you have the app itself. We're gonna do a lot more investment this summer for more self-service areas as well. It's faster, less reliant on part-time help that we can't get. One of those stands is now doing 5X this year than it did last year as well, et cetera. I talked about the digital wallet. Uh, we went cashless, we built an environment to create digital cards for people as well. We built the reward program. You're gonna see a lot more investment in Teal tokens going forward as well. And uh, if you saw our announcement on crypto, you might have some essence of where that's going. I was planning to announce a really cool new first in the entire world fan engagement to the technology today. Uh, but the tech company partnered with asked me to wait a couple of more weeks so they can make a big splash at one of the large trade shows. But uh, that's going to be very visible and front and center next year. And uh, I guess, Scott, uh, since I can't see you, I'll go ahead and make a, an announcement, which is we are going to replace the center hung monitor in the bowl uh, over the summer uh, to make it significantly bigger and brighter and higher pixel ratio. Um, the over way to think about it is it'll have 2x the surface area that the current one has. For those of you who like numbers, it should be basically 23 feet tall and 164 feet of visible area. Um, and it goes from 10 millimeter resolution down to 5.9 millimeter resolution. That's a non-linear scale. So it's basically twice the density as well. And it'll have a lot of other changes as well, including an undersigned video that you can see as well, but that'll be a big visible thing that people see. So there, there's a scoop for you. Now, one of the things that I have become aware of recently, especially since filling in uh, for Danny Miller on PA, is the fact that there are issues with sound. And this is what Jonathan Becker offered on that. Yeah, uh, that is actually something we're investigating. I don't have anything to announce, but you're right. For every person that complains it's too loud, there are other people that complain they can't hear it. So I don't know. Some people have proposed that that's because the unevil, uneven, huh, there's an interesting, uneven distribution of people in the building. We're not entirely sure that's really true, but it is something we're researching. At Shark's Eye San Jose, the team is opening up a new building for the Barracuda, and it looks like it's going to be amazing beyond the hockey that we're going to watch there, obviously. Becker was asked if there were other uses that were going to be happening for that building. Yep. We are, uh, a couple of months ago, we were on budget and ahead of schedule, um, largely through... Uh, uh, supply chain issues. I'm sure you've heard this from lots of different members. We're now on budget and on schedule. So we still will open in August. We'll have a uh, official opening ceremony, the rookie tournament. I think it's the first uh, real event that'll be in that building. Um, I'm sure all, if not most of you will be there. Um, the building is really, if you haven't had a tour lately, it's shaping up to be world-class. I'm biased. I think it'll be the best building in the AHL. 
draw your own conclusion when you actually go as well. We do envision it as a multi-purpose arena uh, in the same way that SAP Center is a multi-purpose arena. Uh, we won't book 180 events in year one, like we average 160 to 180 events here, um, but we are definitely gonna uh, have other concerts, family events, um, e-gaming is a possibility in that arena as well. Uh, we have talked to other pro and semi-pro and college teams about playing sports in that building, hockey and non-hockey as well. Uh, although we have no deal to announce what's just yet. Um, there are already a number of national governing body events that didn't feel like they could fill a 17,000 uh, seat arena that feel comfortably in a 42, 4,500 seat arena as well. So I think in a couple of years after it opens, it usually takes two or three, maybe four years to settle down. We should average, I don't know, 120, 130 events per year in that building as well. And then do we think that the Barracuda will draw better overall? COVID aside, the COVID effect, I don't add anything as well. Um, we've gone on sale for uh, pre-opening foundation members, season tickets, partners as well. Interest seems to be pretty strong. We're operating pretty much on schedule for that as well. Um, the cost to open SAP Center is significantly higher than the cost to open a small arena like that. Uh, pretty soon we ought to be able to announce the name of that new arena um, as well. It won't just be the Barracuda Arena. It will have a, a brand associated with it as well. Should be announceable in the coming weeks or maybe month. Uh, and so, no, I expect a regular venue of, you know, 3,000 plus and sold out on some nights as well. Like here, weekends will be more popular than weekdays. Um, back before the pandemic, uh, the number one reason people gave us they wouldn't come on Tuesday as opposed to Saturday was not opponent, which is what we like to say it is, or we as a general industry, but rather traffic. Uh, Bay Area traffic is starting to return to pre-pandemic norms. If you've been out during rush hour, I expect it will get back there by next season. And so just people sometimes think twice about showing up on a Tuesday where Saturday traffic's a lot easier. And while Becker did not give us anything in terms of a concrete update on Doug Wilson beyond him being in contact with him frequently, he was asked about there being any sort of an addition to the Sharks hockey operations like a president of hockey operations. Uh, we will certainly uh, entertain changes to our structure over time. Nothing's particularly imminent. Um, but in general, Hasso's a not a hierarchical guy. He's pretty much a fan of flat structures. Uh, even just on the business side, uh, I have fewer VPs and SVPs and EVPs and C-levels than I won't say any other sports team because I can't say that. But in general, we have a lot less than others. So I don't imagine us adding hierarchy for the sake of hierarchy, but we might create new roles when we find new ways we want to approach things. One topic to broach is the latest on Google's expansion into downtown San Jose and the areas near the Diridon train station and potential impact on the Sharks' parking situation in particular. Becker gave us the latest in terms of the communications he's had with both the city and Google. I am happy with the level of communication that's happened in the last year, yes. I would say as an extended team, many of them with me personally, we have two or three conversations per month with either the city, Google, don't forget BART, uh, sometimes high-speed rail or Caltrain, because those are all part of the projects as well. Those conversations are regular, they're cordial, they're extraordinarily detailed. I think it would be a stretch to say that we've made much progress since I said we had a sort of stand-down agreement with them. 
from a reality, there's been very little change in the landscape in the last six to nine months or so. And my level of concern that we're reaching a conclusion that we need is has increased of late, not decreased. That coupled with, uh, many of you may have read uh, the article that said, the BART timeline seems to be extended a few years so that the BART won't open, I don't wanna pick a date, for many years after originally expected means the consternation and the cluster around us will be even longer than we originally anticipated. So more than anything else, a mitigation plan, a construction mitigation plan. So all these projects don't operate at the exact same time and they don't shut down all the streets at the same time and hundreds of dump trucks aren't going all at the same time. I'm less confident now than I was then about that. And then when might construction begin? Been postponed multiple times. It should have already started by now. Uh, the latest indication I have is light construction could start in the first half of 2023, meaning next year, but the bigger disruption would happen in 24. And then specifically the future of parking lots A, B, and C. We have not agreed to, le to release A, B, C. We don't have an agreement yet, basically. So that wraps it up on all things business regarding the San Jose Sharks. Really interesting stuff there from President Jonathan Becker. And of course, we will continue to keep you abreast of all the latest here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.